Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Everyone Hates Marketers.com, the no fluff actionable marketing podcast for people sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Lonier. In today's episode, you will learn why marketing should run sales and what that means for you and your company. My guest today leads marketing for Lessonly, uh, the training software that helps customer service and sales team do better work. He leads a team of marketers, which is not that surprising but also outbound sales reps. So that's something we're going to talk about. He has knowledge in multiple facets of marketing involving demand gen, content marketing, design, branding, messaging, etc., etc., etc. That's enough buzzwords for this intro. Previously, he worked for Salesforce, Exact Target, so plenty of experience there. Kyle Lacey, super happy to have you on board. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So let's let's ask the basic question first, but it's actually not so basic. Um, what's the difference between marketing and sales, in your opinion? Like, how would you define each? I think I think marketing has a whether right or wrong has just more creativity involved because we have to because we were raised that way as marketers. Sales is, sales has a tendency to be more process oriented, scientific in the approach of how you're supposed to sell. You know, whether that's a BDR, how many activities a BDR needs to run in order to get a first meeting or a demo to, you know, how an account executive is working a sales cycle. And I think that that that's the main differences. Now, what has changed is that marketing has become more scientific as, you know, this idea of revenue growth and a revenue leader has started to combine right over the years, especially in high growth, high growth software. But I'd say those okay. are the biggest differences. And just to go also to talk on, on foundations, the, what will be the number one goal of marketing versus number one, number one goal of sales? Well, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's the same. Marketing should own a revenue number and sales should close that revenue number. Should close it. What do you mean? Meaning that if, we're, if marketing's sourcing it, marketing should source quite a bit of the deals that sales closes. So okay, they direct. We we call it direct sourced at Lessonly. So we, as the inbound team, as the outbound team, we are sourcing the deals, and and sales is closing it. But in the past, marketing has been very much brand oriented and talked a lot about marketing influence or marketing attribution. And I just think that's that's a bunch of bullshit. You need to own a revenue number. You need to be responsible for generating revenue for the company. And sales is on board. That's why alignment's important, right? Sales is on board to close that those deals that you create as marketers. Okay, so you would br- you would bring, let's say, just for the sake of the argument, one hundred deals to the table that are worth one million in total. Yeah. Well, if you and, if you talk about like sourcing percentages, right? I think that yeah. AEs, account executives, sales reps should be should be responsible for some self sourcing, right? Depending on the size of deals and all that crap that you can deal with, but. Marketing should be responsible for sourcing 50, 60, 70% of revenue, net new revenue, right? Because we are at the front line. We understand messaging. We understand the creative. Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of Everyone Hates Marketers.com, the no fluff actionable marketing podcast for people sick of shady aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Lonier. In today's episode, you will learn why marketing should run sales and what that means for you and your company. My guest today leads marketing for Lessonly, uh, the training software that helps customer service and sales team do better work. He leads a team of marketers, which is not that surprising, 
but also outbound sales reps. So that's something we're going to talk about. He has knowledge in multiple facets of marketing involving demand gen, content marketing, design, branding, messaging, etc., etc., etc. That's enough buzzwords for this intro. Previously, he worked for Salesforce, Exact Target. So plenty of experience there. Kyle Lacey, super happy to have you on board. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So let's let's ask the basic question first, but it's actually not so basic. Um, what's the difference between marketing and sales, in your opinion? Like, how would you define each? I think I think marketing has a whether right or wrong has just more creativity involved because we have to because we were raised that way as marketers. Sales sales has a tendency to be more process oriented, scientific in the approach of how you're supposed to sell. You know, whether that's a BDR, how many activities a BDR needs to run in order to get a first meeting or a demo to, you know, how an account executive is working a sales cycle. And I think that that that's the main differences. Now, what has changed is that marketing has become more scientific as, you know, this idea of revenue growth and a revenue leader has started to combine, right, over the years, especially in high growth, high growth software. But I'd say those okay. are the biggest differences. And just to go also to talk on, on foundations, the, what will be the number one goal of marketing versus number one, number one goal of sales? Well, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's the same. Marketing should own a revenue number and sales should close that revenue number. Should close it. What do you mean? Mean that if we're, if marketing sourcing it, marketing should source quite a bit of the deals that sales closes. So okay, they direct. We we call it direct sourced at Leslie. So we, as the inbound team, as the outbound team, we are sourcing the deals, and and sales is closing it. But in the past, marketing has been very much brand oriented and talked a lot about marketing influence or marketing attribution. And I just think that's that's a bunch of bullshit. You need to own a revenue number. You need to be responsible for generating revenue for the company. And sales is on board. That's why alignment's important, right? Sales is on board to close that those deals that you create as marketers. Okay, so you would br- you would bring, let's say, just for the sake of the argument, one hundred deals to the table that are worth one million in total. Yeah. Well, if you and, if you talk about like sourcing percentages, right? I think that yeah. AEs, account executives, sales reps should be should be responsible for some self sourcing, right? Depending on the size of deals and all that crap that you can deal with, but. Marketing should be responsible for sourcing 50, 60, 70% of revenue, net new revenue, right? Because we are at the front line, we understand messaging, we understand the creativity behind it, and we understand how to drive it. Um, and I think that's a fairly new concept for a lot of marketers. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. To be, to, be, to be responsible for actually making money is, 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 is new for a lot. And it's difficult to do, right? It's yeah. easy, I think, on a podcast to talk about, oh, marketing should bring revenue. Right. How the fuck do you do it is, is the other, the next step. So let's dive in into that because that's actually something we've never really touched on on the podcast and you seem to have very strong opinions on it, which I love. That's, that's how we make a good interview, sure. a good discussion rather. Okay. So talk me back through when you started with Lessonly. I suppose that when you started, there wasn't this structure in place or am I misunderstanding? Yeah, it was about two years into my tenure at Lessonly when we moved the BDRs over to marketing. But even before that, my my uh, predecessor had done a great job with organic search and we were still generating quite a bit of revenue, a uh, total revenue, percentage of total revenue at the company. When we decided to okay. move BDRs over, 
It was just the the realization that it made more sense in marketing at Lessonly at the time. Okay. So BDRs would be you would consider them to be like outbound. They would they would reach out yeah. to companies, right? Yep. They would do like I don't know, cold calling, emailing, yep. getting in touch on LinkedIn, stuff like that. While the marketing, the traditional marketers in the team would be the inbound yep. side of things. Yeah. So we have an bringing. we have an inbound team and we have an outbound team. And they, you know, okay. it's outbound sales and inbound to the website. How many for each roughly? Like what's the number of people? Uh, for for, for the outbound side, we have 16 or 17 on the inbound side. We've inbound the inbound team is made up of Martech content and inbound SDRs. So from an inbound SDR standpoint, we have four. Right. So inbound inbound SDRs are, are folks who only pick up folks who showed interest yeah. in lessonly yep. in the first place. Yep. Okay. And then the rest is the traditional marketers, yep. like content marketers. Yep. Okay. So Tell me about the way things are structured because it sounds like pretty good on paper, but again, how do you, how do you measure those things? How do you know, uh, inbound, like the marketing side is bringing X number of yep. revenue. Like what's the setup? So we have the way that we measure inbound is a first meeting goal. How many meetings did they book in a quarter for the account executives to work and then closed one revenue? So how much how much revenue did those meetings generate? And that's how we measure the inbound team. Outbound team, it's dependent on segment. We have a SMB segment and we have an enterprise segment. The SMB segment is measured on first meetings created and revenue generated. Enterprise is a little bit different because sales cycles are so much longer. They're measured on what would be traditionally called sales qualified. So an opportunity, like the AE said, yeah, I'm going to move it into an opportunity and pipeline. So they are responsible for pipeline gen and qualified first meetings, I guess is the best way to describe it, uh, outside of just okay. close one revenue. We look at close one revenue, but it's annual because sales cycles are so long. So, okay, let's talk about the, the, the inbound marketing, like the marketing side of things. Yeah. You, So what you measure is number of leads generated, number of, of meeting booked. Yep. Overall, like that's roughly, it seems the, the main, the key, yep. the, the, the only metric that matters to simplify. How do you measure, how do you know that marketing is responsible for, for I don't know, the, the meetings uh, that they booked? Like what's the setup that, that leads you to know actually they come from marketing activities? There's, there's two ways. Number one is, was it sourced from marketing? Did an inbound rep work the deal on our website, on Drift, our chatbot, on the phone? And did they book the meeting for the AE? So that's the fr- that's all of it. It's all direct sourced. You know, did the outbound SCR book the meeting? And then outside of that, if we book the meeting, but it takes 90 days or more for something to happen, then we lose that source information. So it's usually just did we book the meeting? Did we set it up as a marketing team? And did it close? That's kind of what we're looking at. Okay. And so they could come from many different channels, right? Yeah. So for in, in your, so at least only what's the, what's roughly the percentage like of, of where are they coming from? Is it mostly or, organic search? Yeah, branded yeah. Organic? We got a really strong organic search um, strategy. So uh, 50, 60% of net new revenue, like which would include meetings book is, is organic. The rest is PPC. Organic branded and non-branded. Non-branded, both. Okay, both. More, um, more non-branded. More just, uh, and I'm gonna. I'm getting out of my comfort zone here. I would say uh, keyword specific, not lessonly. 
Is that what you're asking? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Most yeah, of yeah. its keywords. Okay. And then, and then you have paid, which also touched probably on, on both brand and non-branded keywords. And then outside of that, it's mostly crumbs. I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we've got outbound. It depends on segment as well. Like for our enterprise segment, a hundred percent. Well, no, that's not true. 90% is sourced by the outbound team. Inbound, okay. we still have a considerable amount coming inbound, but uh, we don't have any, it's really hard to control levers on the inbound side if it's not organic search. What do you mean? Meaning like, we don't know, we don't necessarily know what lever to pull in our enterprise segment to increase inbound leads on the enterprise side. Right now, right, right now okay. we're just working what's coming in. And that's, that's something we've got to figure out as marketers, right? You know, in order to scale, but you know, we're still trying to work that out in terms of why they're coming to the site. Okay. 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 So let's say we, let's say you leave the the job and you go to another company with roughly same similar system, you know, where, where you, you rely on both inbound and, and outbound. What would be your way to set up an operation in order to get to the point that where you are at, at Listenly today, like where would you start? Assuming, okay, let's just assume a few things. Assuming there is a product that is good enough to be sold. Yep. Assuming that there is some sort of a start of a brand recognition, like people start to understand that this is a good thing. Assuming that the target audiences understand like this is a big pain and 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 like all the the normal kind of conditions that makes a, a company worth joining. Uh, but they don't really have anything in place. They just get random leads coming in. Mm-hmm. What's how do you go? How would you go about it? And how would you advise folks listening right now to set things up in the same way? I mean, I, the first step would be looking at budget and making sure that you are spending a certain amount of money on brand. And brand, you know, for us, we spend twenty five percent of our annual marketing budget is on brand. So that includes direct mail events that we don't really necessarily care are generating business. A lot of the experiential stuff that we do like board games and just things that are just fun. And we do it without the expectation that I'm going to look at my brand senior director of brand and say, well, how much revenue did you generate? We do it to say the experience is really all that matters in a features war, right? Any, any software company can build a feature set. It's really, uh, you know, other than having a great feature set, you need the experience to be, to be highly impactful, right? As a software company. And so, especially a software company at scale. So number one, look at the budget, 50-50 split. 50% should be paid, should be spent on rev generating. 50% should be paid on some type of brand campaign, or you can do 75-25. The other side of it is get a badass graphic designer. All this shit. I like that. Okay. All this crap on like, you should hire a product marketer for it. No a really, really good graphic designer. And I, you're familiar with Dave Gerhart. We all are. He says the same thing. <laughs> Everyone is at yeah, this stage. <laughs> He's good at it. Fucking That's, but I, but I, that is my, we have, we have two on our brand team. We have two full-time designers. We have a videographer and we have a web dev. And that's, for- so you are, a media company. Yeah, really. well, like we, we have an internal media. agency, basically, is how I think about right. it, right? And that is so important. That is so important. 
So Wistia talks about it from like, they talk about brand affinity, yeah. uh, treating it as media. Like there's a lot of noise around this and it goes back to psychological principles of human beings where mm. you need to build new memory structures in people's brain. Or if they have already the memory of you, they know who you are some ways to refresh it consistently. I need to show up, show up, show up, show up, show up so that they never forget about you. And when there are the category buyers, when they're ready to buy from you, or when they're ready to buy, they think of you first, right? Like that's kind of the fucking, yeah. that's the golden growth loop or golden funnel or whatever you want to call it. That's, that's yeah. the beauty of it. So go ahead. Well, I mean, the main problem though, is that most marketers fall back a hundred percent on their job on that, which is not measurable and shouldn't be measurable. That's why okay. I am very, 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 very aggressive with the idea that you have to have some portion of your team own a revenue number. The board is not going to give you a seat at the table unless you do. If you do not own a revenue right. number, that's why it's easy at Lessonly. We can do cool things like design a board game where we don't say how much, how much influence did that you know, how much pipe did that influence or whatever the hell we're talking about at the time. We just say, it's a damn cool idea. We did it and we shipped it and it's, and it's fun and that's it. And we move on because we have an arm of the team that is generating money that we own. Now it's more stressful as a leader. However, you have the ability to do things that you are not able to do because marketers just think primarily about brand. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Well, I would, I would actually argue that some marketers think primarily about performance marketing yeah. and conversion. and then they lose the other side but, of it. Yeah, and so I saw the super. I see the super fights all the time. So it's important to have both. You can't. I don't think you can be a good marketing leader without having both. And so let's talk about the first thing you said, which is 25, 75 or 50, 50. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are even research, uh, done that show that it should be roughly 60, 40, 60, uh, 60% brand building and 40% activation, uh, performance oh, the, generation. Flip. the flip, the opposite. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, like you can find anything. I, I don't have the, <laughs> I need to, I need to find the, the name of it, but it's actually a pretty conclusive study that was shared by I think Baron Sharp okay. and also Mark Ritson. Okay. And so this, it seems to be quite, you know, uh, thorough. Anyway, it doesn't really matter the exact percentage. What matters is that it needs to be done and you can't measure it. Now you start in a new business. How the fuck do you convince the board to say, listen, we're going to do cool shit, build an agency and 25% of the budget is going to be blown into creative shit. But we, <laughs> here's the kicker. You won't know that it works. Yeah. I, you know what? Honestly, I don't remember what I did three, three or four years ago <laughs> when I joined Lessonly. But what I would say is that you do the revenue first. You show revenue growth. Your CEO, the board, like they're not going to care that you did a board game. They're going to say, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that for my other portfolio companies. But if you're not generating revenue and all you're doing is spending time on cool shit, you know, you're going to be called out at some point, in my opinion, which is to your point, it's very important to have a mix of both. Okay. So you join this company. And so the first thing that you do to make sure that people like you, people know that you're good at your job and you actually bring revenue is you focus on the revenue yeah, side yeah. to start with. You feed, you feed the sales team. Okay, so how do you do it? How would you do it? Assuming again that we are in a model where 
you have a sales team in there. Yeah, it depends. I mean, it depends on a lot of factors, you know that. But, you know, if it's enterprise, it's complete. I have a completely different answer than SMB. You know, I think that from an enterprise standpoint, you need to scale quickly and you can't go this route of just hiring two account executives and trying to figure out what's repeatable. You know, you need to hire five. They're expensive and you should hire five BDRs and you should have an account list that you want to target and you go through that account-based marketing approach, right? On the SMB side, I wouldn't, you know, a lot of people say you should start with organic. It took us, it was, it was in development three, three to four years before I joined Lessonly for it to start working. So this idea that you have a business and you're just going to start producing blog posts and it's going to drive organic traffic. I just think it's ridiculous. Now you should start doing it if you want to see that impact two or three years from now. Right. But for me, it's, you got to find repeatability. You've got to spend the money to do it. Google ads, Bing, newsletters, whatever. I mean, whatever you test constantly, we do, we have a pretty rigorous see it click rate optimization tests that we do every two weeks. And that includes certain keywords that includes, you know, a landing page design that includes a new Facebook ad campaign to see what's going to work. So if you're going to do it, you need it, you need some money to do it. And then you constantly test on what's working. And if it does work, then you put just a little bit more money in and you scale it as, as slow as you okay. can scale. I mean, scaling, scaling shouldn't be slow, but you get, you get what I'm saying. So here we're talking about demand capture in a sense, right? Like we're not expecting long, uh, long, uh, long funnel. Like we, we get, we go for the revenue for the sale straight away. And we set up the foundation so that we get most of it yeah. as quickly as possible. But it's also so the beauty also, of it's also dependent on the type of bit. Like if it's a product led growth business like Calendly or Typeform, like I have a completely different that's all about volume, right? You want to get as many people as possible on this platform. And that's more like a B2C type play than something like Lessonly that's turning into more of an enterprise play. Like the it's just the go-to-markets are just very different. Right. Okay. So let's cover Based on the the listeners and based on who who listens yeah. and and knowing a bit about them, I would suspect that less care about enterprise and more of them would care about either like SMB, mm. a lot of potential clients, smaller uh, revenue per per client, and so and a lot of them selling either a product or a service. And so let's try to to go through, try to find fundamentals there that could be applied yeah. to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've got. It sounds like. Go ahead. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Very, You're right. <laughs> very, very American of me. I'm sorry. Um, for me, the first step's a website. You know, if you're if you're saying day one, like I am, I am optimizing the shit out of that website, and I'm breaking it because most people think about it secondary to all the tactics, but your most important product outside of your software or your service is your website. And most people don't optimize it. Like they're not using the Lighthouse Chrome extension to do like page load times. You know, if, I, if I'm selling a service and you do a great job of marketing that service, and I come to your website and it does not load on my mobile phone or I can't click your phone number on your site, like you're just breaking the experience. You're breaking the sales process. So first, first step for me is optimizing the website right off the bat. I don't care what you sell. I don't care if it's a plumbing company or you're selling trading software. All right, I'll stop. So what's the number one method? What's the number one method to to optimize it? Like how do you know whether it's broken or not? I just I I usually look at load time. 
And, you know, Lighthouse is an awesome Chrome extension you can download that was built by Google developers, and it will give you scores on whatever page you're on, on how Google is viewing your website. So it's pretty cool. It's like zero to a hundred, I think. And it, you know, it turns red if you're terrible, which is most people, uh, cause Google robots are crazy, but y- you know, it's very, very, very important to look at because Google now, well, it has over the past two years started ranking off of load time. So even if you were number one on an organic keyword, your load time is five seconds. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill you because it's a bad experience. So now what if you have a, a fast website, but is a shitty positioning, shitty messaging? <laughs> what, what's, what's bad messaging? Is that what you're asking? No, no. I mean like, okay, what, like you could have a fast website that says that is absolutely how yeah, shit, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. 100%. So that's also part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So optimizing first is load time, get the thing working appropriately, and then talk to your customers, try to figure out why they're buying from you and, and put that on the website. I don't, I don't want to see any like, Hey, we sat into a conference room and spent six hours trying to come up with copy. And we actually didn't talk to anybody that buys from us. I mean, it's crazy. Six hours. You're being, you're being very conservative and nice. (laughs) I've seen since six days, six weeks. <laughs> That's fair. So talking to customers, right? Did you so did you do that when you joined Lessonly? Did you actually say, listen, I, I need to talk to customers ASAP? Yeah, I took I took the first it was I was lucky because I came from the venture capital firm that invested in Lessonly. So I had right. I had some background information there, but I also I spent a month observing when I first joined. So I did not you know, I joined in February. I spent the entire month of February just observing and taking notes, which I, I would say anybody moving into a position like that, I think you should do. I think everybody should do it, which also included talking to customers. I will say that that has fallen off over the years. You know, we have a we have a customer advisory board where I watch the videos. Like we we have notes that they're taking, but I could do with more conversations. I think anybody anybody in an exec position at a software company could always do with more with more customer conversations. Even outside software. Oh I yeah, mean, everyone, anyone. everyone, absolutely. Like the, the the question I like to ask people to piss them off a bit in marketing is when was the last time you talked to a customer? And, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, usually, you know. Now, like a Zoom call, it's been a while. For me, right it, now we have a we have a customer community that's a mobile app called Llama Nation that we use to communicate with customers and talk to customers and get product feedback and stuff like that. But like one on one, it's been a while for me, honestly. So that you know, so it's it's time, pandemic it's time. or not. Like I need to, I definitely need to do more of it. You need to get your shit together. I know. I was about to I'm say that. Up. Um, so you join the company, you observe, right? You observe for months, you talk to customers, you understand why they buy, uh, they bought from you. And the reason why I'm going to skip, not skip this step, but talk about it quickly is because we talked about that so many times on the podcast, talking to customers, interviewing customers. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now and you want to know more, just search on the site or on the podcast and to know how to do this. But I want to touch on other stuff that that are, uh, I think you're you're quite an expert in. So you talk to customers, you, you you make sure the copy is great on the website, that it talks to people using their own words. And then it sounds like you want to set up the, your foundations for to capture demand ASAP, right? Yeah. So again, it's difficult to know. Maybe maybe folks don't search for your stuff on Google, but it's very rare. So I suppose that one of the key things you can do is to set up Google Ads, Bing Ads, or yeah. whatever, as fast as possible, right? Yep. 
Yeah. I, and it really depends. I mean, you could get involved in a community to try to do more organic traffic. You know, a lot of the influencer and I, I hate, I hate to even use that word, but that type of thing. But honestly it is, where do people go to buy? You know, I love the fact when I go to my, my plumbing and heating company or even my accounting firm's website, they're asking me how I've heard about them. Right. I love that because you're figuring out where people are finding you and then double down on that. And then, you know, and then test everything. I mean, that's for me, the one, the one mistake that I did make when it had to do with messaging and positioning and persona development, that type of stuff is that I spent a lot of time early on doing it. And then I lost track of it, which, you know, because I was focused so much on, on other things. And now coming back around, we, we have to do more of it now as a company because we might, we lost track of it earlier on. Which is which is very important to know. You need to have some type of rigor on on your ICP and customer profile and all that crap. I don't want to use too many words. So before we go into that, I want to touch back on something you yeah. said, which is asking people where did you hear from us in the first place. And this is critical because Google Analytics is lying to you, and you need to be very careful with those those sources and channels. I fucking hate this for the reason that it's not because it's coming from Google Organic that this is where they heard from you. Like yeah. how would it have would have they searched your fucking name in the first place without having heard right. from you before that. So <laughs> the, the, the question is so powerful and yet so simple. And that's why I think marketers are struggling with this. Like, yeah, is that, is it that simple? Actually, sometimes it is. Obviously you don't want to ask people who've been customers for the last five years, how did you first hear about us? They won't remember. But if you do ask recent customers, the last three months, two months, one month, they will likely remember, yeah. oh yeah, I heard from you on, on the podcast or whatnot. And then as you said, you double down on it, right? Yep. Like, I mean, it's not rocket science. We've done that many multiple times in the companies I've been involved with. And, and, and the answer that is sometimes a bit, it's nice to hear, but sometimes a bit nerve wracking is, I heard it from someone else, which is good. But fuck, how do you <laughs> well, optimize you just, that? You just throw that into the brand side of it. You just say, oh, we're just not going to measure that part of it. But one, yeah, one point that you made, it. I think is important to note. I, I cannot um, express the importance of simplicity. The less clicks it takes for somebody to get information from you to buy, the better. That's e-commerce. That's software. That's if you're a damn lawyer. Like it, it, You have to, right? So for us, as that applies to Lessonly, we had 500 landing pages on our site with forms, a bunch of gated content. We got rid of all of them, got ungated everything. We have, we have a few CTAs. Our number one CTA is see a preview or get a demo. And that's it. Because if you download an ebook, I want you to read the ebook. I don't want you having to deal with a bunch of email from salespeople, right? Because just because you downloaded an ebook. So simplicity is important, right? The research that people are doing is important, but that does not mean that you need to inundate them with messages, right? What you do need to do is make sure when they click get a demo, that is simplified as possible, right? And that's, you know, barrier to entry needs to be very low, very, very low. I don't care what you're selling. So how simple is it at at the minute? Like when you click on book a demo, what happens next? If you click book a demo, you can fill out a form and then you'll get hit up by an SDR because you, because you're a market, because you're a qualified lead, right? You said, I'm interested in seeing a demo. Uh, the other, how we've simplified it is using drift. You know, we, we have a lot of drift functionality on the site for people to chat with our sales reps. So if you're just interested in figuring out like, 
does this help with customer training? You can just get on Drift and ask. You don't have to fill out a form and get a call from an SDR and go through all that crap. So chat, chat has been a huge, a huge tool for us. And it's been very, very powerful over the past year and a half, honestly. And you see in Drift's marketing team, they're not gonna they're gonna wonder or they're probably not wondering where the fuck was those customer came from after hearing you yeah. talking about it in another podcast. I mean, you know, when you flip when you when you understand it this way, this is why it's impossible to track every single thing, especially the, the brand side of things. Absolutely. Right? We are talking about Drift without like any affiliation to them. I mean, you're using them, you're happy with them. And it's like, that's what happens when you have a good product and you, you nail your positioning and, and that's it. People talk about it. And that's just naturally what happens. Yeah. So you mentioned something else, which is you do, when you join, you're full of energy, you want to do well and you do all your personal research and you do interviews and you nail the positioning, you simplify everything. And then life goes on and pressure and targets and whatever else. And you start getting, you know, losing touch with, with, with the information you worked yep. on in the first place. So how did you realize, because you mentioned that's what's happening right now, recently, how did you realize, shit, we need to get closer to this again. We need to refresh that information regularly. Well, you know, we talked about who to hire, right? And I said a graphic designer and not a product marketer. Your second hire should be a product marketer. <laughs> <laughs> so our, so my mistake as a leader, and you know, this, I want to be clear, this is, you know, the as you scale, your 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 ICP, your customer profile is going to change, especially at a software company, right? Because you are bringing in more industries, more segments, more types of people. If you have a product marketer that's thinking about it, it is so much easier, right? And my mistake was I had the ability to hire one three years ago and I didn't because I opted in for something else. So what was something else? Uh, I was, I don't exactly remember who. But it was definitely more, I think it was MarTech or a design, another designer. And then we spread some of the OT out across some of the channels to drive demand, which which that worked. Like we drove more demand. We were growing, we're scaling. But then as the teams get bigger, like Lessonly went from 50 employees to 170, 180 now. As the teams get bigger, you need to focus more on an ICP because there's more people working deals and getting in front of customers and talking to people. And if you don't have anybody leading that charge internally to, to capture all that information and to make changes based off of the constant flow of information, it will break at some point. And it's just very important to start early on to understand that. So the, in, in your eyes, the product marketer owns the all of this research and the constant yeah. updating of yes. the ski information. Them or, based on, them or a product manager, it depends on the type of business. Right. And 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 then based on the information that comes in from sales, from from inbound, outbound, the com whatever else, right? Yeah. And then you change your persona sets, you you do an re-enablement on what it means to sell the product. And I think this apply I think it's something that not that traditional businesses can learn from software. The software does really well. Software shifts really, really well if done correctly. And I think that's what's important is that making sure that you're staying in front of people so you're understanding why they're buying, how the implementation went, like all that stuff. And you need one person to run that. It can't be a committee. It just doesn't work. Why not? Too many people, especially at scale, right? If you have one person, one person can run the committee, but one person needs to be responsible. I mean, it's like anything. It's like if you, if you have a committee of people and nobody's really running it, 
you got kind of a problem because everybody has their own opinions and they're all going to go do something. Committees work, but you need somebody that's heading it. Have you seen this ad from Burger King recently about the, the Whopper that was moldy? I haven't seen it, no. So it's like a massive ad campaign they did a few months ago where they just had a picture of the, their burger, the signature burger that was just moldy. And I think it was just that. And the reason they did it is to take a dig at McDonald's that basically doesn't get moldy because it's full of chemicals. So they basically <laughs> say, you know, it's good shit. The reason why I'm telling you this is because I think if it was brought to a committee, yeah. is this a good idea? Everyone would have found five ideas not to do this, you know? Yeah, That's but if, just, I, I would say that committees work when they're involved. Like we, we have what we call squads on the marketing team and it's cross-functional. Yeah. So if we're trying to figure yeah, out how to sell, something, but. yeah, it, but if they're involved in the creation and the production and the distribution of the idea, it works. If you have a committee making decisions on whether or not to do something, it is terrible. Right. So, okay. And that's, I think that's the difference. And most, I should just say squad. Cause when I say committee, people just glaze over and like, Oh God, yeah. I do not want to be yeah. involved in a committee. <laughs> when I hear committees, like more like fucking stakeholders and VPs right. together, <laughs> right. standing on stuff. like what we mean more is like what you're talking about is cross-functional yeah, cross teams that work together towards the same goal. Uh, okay. So we've unpacked a lot of stuff there. So you joined, you set up the performance side. I mean, the demand capture, making sure it works, you optimize it, you understand where people have heard from you in the first, in the first place. You constantly update your personal profile, you talk to customers, and then we start to have a bit more lead way to actually do brand shit, you know, yeah. brand building and all. Yep. Is it when you start saying, listen, we've done some good work now, now it's time, time to increase the, the volume when it comes to the brand? I didn't ask. I don't think you should. I think you should just start doing it. Right. Start doing. So what did you start doing? Well, we started. We started with direct mail. We started doing cool direct mail. You know, we were if we had a if we were trying examples are we would send a a clear glass box with an Apple Watch in it to a to a person and they had to get the code from the sales rep in order to open it. You had like the board games that we designed. Ali Llama is our mascot. We have a Lego llama that you can put together. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of brand swag and t-shirts and stuff that we spend a lot of time designing because we want them to look cool. We want them to just not be a logo, right? And just spending a lot of time on cool things on the website, right? Like spending time designing a site that's that's appealing outside of just being a lead capture. Um, and you and you can only do that if you if you do the lead capture first because that's what drives revenue and that's what funds companies, most companies. <laughs> Most companies. Most yes. companies. So, how did you, how did you pick those ideas, like those those crazy crazy ideas? Or uh, what was the process? I got very lucky that I inherited a group of people that are extremely good at it. That is not. What, what, what are the profiles? We had a senior director of brand that used to be in an agency, videographer. We had designers that were previous agencies. So there's a theme there. And then we had really, really good startup marketers that were on the team. We had a really good writer on the team. And then we expanded the team outside of that. What's been interesting is that our profile, our profile is kind of spread out all over. Like we've hired people with experience in software, but our director of inbound who runs majority of our revenue gen projects, Ben Battaglia, came from, came from ministry. He wasn't even in software at all. And he, you know, our interview process, he won us over and he joined. He has been huge for this team, right? So 
it's kind of, we're a little weird in the way we build out a team in a good way, but you know, the first people were brand really, really good brand people. We only have a few minutes, yeah. which is a shame. I, could, uh, I would have asked you way more questions on this, but it, it's all good. So the, the last question before I ask you the two final questions I always ask, those ideas such as like sending direct mail and stuff still sound very much like it's, I wouldn't say demand capture, but it's very close to you expected a meeting to be booked out of it, right? It was still kind of close to a goal, no? No, I, the example I gave you, no. we did which is a terrible example to give you, which is the Apple Watch. I just like the idea. Most of our direct mail ha doesn't have a call to action, really. It's mostly just like we've sent, um, we give a golden llama every quarter to an employee that lives the values of Lessonly. And we've sent close to 5,000 golden llamas out to customers and prospects to give to their employees. And we don't have a, we don't have a CTA on it. It's like, hey, we want you to recognize your teammates that are doing great work. And then we have a landing page on the site and that's it. What's the size of the llama? It's like three inches. It's like, I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I had to spray paint the first 2000 of them. So I'm probably going to die very young. Yes. That sounds like it. That was, that was quite underwhelming. I was expecting like a, Oh no, no. <laughs> fucking llama. Like we actually, we had, we recently had a better work week, which is, you know, we, July 31st is better work day in Indiana where we're based and blah, blah, blah. We had a week and we actually hired Ollie Llama, a real llama out of a farm in New York Good. to attend a bunch of zoom calls, which was fun. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. <laughs> that, 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 uh, that I like. And that hit the All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's when you can do actual cool stuff. That's what it means. So, Cal, you've been a pleasure. Thanks for going through all of those details and being candid about your experience. Uh, what are the top three resources you'd recommend listeners today? Uh, number one is OpenView Ventures website, ov.vc. It's one that I go and read every day. Um, I think they are the best venture capital firm in the world, of course. I'm a little biased, but outside of that, LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I think there's great. You do. You're always live I'm when always, I'm there. Always there. And then uh, third would be, oh, you you even prepped me for these these, didn't you? <laughs> I did, and you didn't do your fucking work. <laughs> no, <laughs> I only have two. It's like what 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 the hell? I've got two kids. What the hell else can I do? The the third one would be I spend a lot of time in biographies of hist in history. So a lot of presidents, Theodore Roosevelt, stuff like that. I highly encourage people to get out of business books every once in a while and read about what's happened because I think it's, I think it's very, very important to frame on how you think about the world, how you do work and, and how you think about yourself. N not the out of the deal by Trump though. Like no, 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 not, not Trump's no. books. No, I'm uh, cool. I am from Indiana, but I'm not a Trump fan. Okay. All right. Kyle, you've been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you.
And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.